Greg Sulkin is a talented actor and producer. You know him from countless hit series such as The Wizards of Waverly Place, Pretty Little Liars and Faking It. He starred in the horror thriller film Don't Hang Up and most recently played Chase Stein in Runaways on Hulu, which was adored by fans of the Marvel Universe. Greg continues to charm audiences of all ages and I am so happy to have him here today Greg, welcome to the podcast, my friend. How are you? James, I think I may need you to, uh, to be my agent. That was the best introduction I've ever heard in my life, so thank you. I will take it. And that's uh, a very modest response, my friend. Young guy living in LA, absolutely crushing it. And for me, when I'm doing this podcast, it's so exciting to talk to other British people that have come out here and truly made a name for themselves, but stayed so grounded the way you have along the way. So congratulations to you on everything that you're doing and continuing to do. Uh, I, I love to see it. And thanks for being on the podcast, mate. Yeah, of course. Of course. To be honest, I don't actually do, I think this could be my first ever podcast or second podcast, but I feel very professional with the headphones. And I'm loving it. So thank you for having me on. You look good, dude. And I'm very curious to know how the new normal has been treating you. I heard you uh, recently lost a bet, hence the the shaved buzzed head, which looks fantastic, by the way. Uh, but, but how is quarantine life treating you and what's going on? Uh, quarantine, I think, for obviously everybody's had a different uh, experience. For me, I actually moved during quarantine. And that was a very interesting experience for me because it was right when COVID-19 sort of struck, so to speak, or when the world was aware of it. Very, uh, very scared, very uh, tentative. And so I'm moving houses during that time by myself was was definitely a, a strange experience, uh, but also kind of a nice time to move in the sense that I wasn't really, you know, work had shut down, so it was a perfect time to move. So it was a bittersweet sort of experience for me, but definitely challenging. There's challenges of this, you know, mentally, physically, you know, I'm just trying to sort of stay focused, keep positive and, uh, and sort of take it for what it is and come out of it stronger. Well, I'm an avid follower of yours on Instagram. And so I see how active you are every day, working out, staying fit. And I suppose so many people are at home wondering what the hell to do every day, all day. And then you're there moving house. So at least you are occupying your time, occupying your brain and not kind of going stir crazy. And I've learned and seen that I've learned to cook through this time. And I think what I've seen online is you went from only being able to cook pasta uh, to actually learning to cook from what I can see online. Uh, yeah, I definitely have had uh, help from my girlfriend. You know, a lot of the photos that I've taken have definitely, uh, she's definitely helped. But yeah, I've, I've tried to become better because before quarantine, I was shocking. I've gone from a two to a four, you know? Well, you know what? Four's better than two. And I got to tell you, in my single days, and I hate to even admit this, but I lived in a one-bedroom apartment which didn't have a fridge or freezer uh, and I would order Domino's most evenings and I had a sparklets water machine that ended up in collections. Uh, and I think this was all whilst I was your age. So I got to tell you, congrats to getting to a four because it's a lot better than where I was at your age. And if you can cook a few meals, you're going to be good. So I'm pleased to hear that, mate. That, that, that sounds awesome. The good old days. It sounds like you had a, you, had to, you, had, you know, your 20s were fun. 
They were fun. I've what I can remember, but I will tell you this. I have no regrets, which we'll get to later. But I have to say watching you and I, I really mean this as a, a young man living in L.A. and getting to where you've got today, it's incredibly commendable that you've stayed so grounded, so focused. I see you doing all of your fitness videos and you seem to have been unaffected in anything negative as far as Hollywood is concerned. And I think that's what separates you from so many people out there is you have this level of focus that is absolutely incredible and is going to continue to allow you to grow and grow and grow and I, I just want to say it's hugely commendable to watch at a distance mate really yeah no thank you for saying that I think I got fortunate in the sense that you know throughout my career I've been acting since I was 12 I moved to the states when I was 17 and although I landed a, a great job and on a big show on the Disney channel my sort of journey or my escalation, I guess, in my career has happened at, at a nice pace, but also sort of like a gradual sort of pace. It was, I didn't wake up one morning and I wasn't thrown into the limelight. Um, so I had a few years to sort of figure myself out, learn about who I am, uh, at the same time becoming more well-known or becoming more successful. Uh, and I, not everybody has the opportunity to do that. And that's why it's like, especially people from the Disney Channel sometimes get a bad like name but the thing is it's quite it's hard right it's like 60 if you're 16 17 18 years old and you've got the world looking at you that's a lot of responsibility to to take on because you don't even know who you are yet you're, you're trying to figure that out so you have to portray this this persona to the world but you're portraying a persona that you aren't even you don't you haven't really figured out yet so for me i feel like i just got very fortunate in the sense that my career has definitely gone in the right direction but it went at a you know, a sort of a steady pace, like each job allowed me to become a better actor. Each job allowed me to become more well known. So for me, I just sort of got lucky. And then on top of that, I feel like I do owe a lot to my parents because they uh, made, made sure that I, I definitely didn't get too uh, big headed and my mates too. I think it's our English. And I do think there's something about being from London too. It's like sort of an English way. Like we, you know, we, we, take the mick out of one another. We never let anybody around us get too big headed. It's sort of ingrained in our sense of humor that we're probably the first ones to make fun of ourselves, right? We don't take it too personally or don't get too sensitive if, if someone makes fun of, fun of us. And I think that's also part of it too. And for those of you who don't know, take the mick means to take the piss. Uh, and in English humor, we take the piss out of each other on a regular basis and we have fun doing it and we have very dry sense of humors and it works. But I've said some pretty dry jokes here in LA and people just haven't laughed and they've almost been offended. Uh, so it's good to be talking to another Brit with a dry humor. And you mentioned two things there. And, and one of them that really stuck out is that you said you got lucky. And I don't believe you got lucky. I think you've worked extremely hard. You come from a great family. Um, and for those of you who don't know, I know Greg from London and Greg's family. You have a wonderful family and I believe you've earned everything that you've now got today and you're going to continue to do so. But you, you also led me to ask you a question, which is, you know, at 16, 17, you don't know who you are. You're still finding your feet. For many, they're still in school. You're going to university and you don't know who you are. So I guess the question I have for you right now that pops to mind is, who is Greg Sulkin? If you were to describe who is Greg Sulkin, where does that take you? Oh, wow. <laughs> I guess no one's ever asked me who I am before. And 
I, you know, I would say, honestly, I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, I'm, I'm just turned 28. That's a very interesting age. I am sort of in, in between a hybrid of becoming the man that I'm going to be for the rest of my life and still sort of clinging on to this, these youthful years. So I'm at a, you know, I'm at a bit of a crossroads right now. I feel like I've always been very driven. I would say this is how I describe myself. I would say somebody who is very driven, very focused, uh, who definitely wants a family one day, definitely wants to have a close group of friends. But at the same time, the ultimate goal in my life is to accumulate as much success and wealth as possible in order to be able to actually help areas that need it. You know, I did a trip when I was 18 years old. I went to Peru. I was raised with so much love, raised in London. I'd never been to a third world country before. And it completely changed my uh, perspective on life. And I just realized that one, not just how lucky I am, but how lucky we are. Like we live in the United States of America where, um, you know, this is arguably the best country in, in the world or definitely has, has a ton of opportunities compared to, let's just say, countries like Venezuela, for example. You know, and so I feel like if I can help as much, if, if I can do as well as possible here, one day I would like to go and really make a difference in countries and areas that need it. Dude, you're amazing because it is. You're right. It's all about giving back, right? We can make money. We can be successful. But the way that we're going to grow is by giving back. And it, it's true. It's like you want to go and see the rest of the world and experience what they're experiencing because we get caught up, whether we're in London or living here in L.A., we forget about what normal really might be in our lives. And my wife is from a third world country, from Bolivia, and I've been there and I've seen it. And you're right. You, you, you have all of this success in your career and growing up. And you want to give it back so that A, you can grow, B, you can give it back. And I think you you made a great point there. And I, I want to know what it was like for you working from such a young age. Most people are at school at 12. You're beginning your acting career. Do you feel like you grew up too quickly? Were you able to enjoy your younger days or, or do you feel like it all happened organically? Oh, I would say a combination of both. I would say a combination of everything you just said. I think on the one hand, I was 12 years old going to work with, you know, Helena Bonham Carter, for example, who's obviously a huge English actress. That was my first ever project. So to go to set and work alongside an incredible actress who's been around for years. Yeah, like you do have to behave accordingly. Like I can't go and mess about like this woman is a complete professional. And so you do have to buck your ideas up a little bit. And I definitely feel like I, uh, I did that. And then on the other hand, I also enjoyed... <laughs> There's a part of me that feels like I definitely missed out. I never went to college. I've been to like one frat party in my life. So I definitely feel like I've missed out uh, sort of on those experiences. But I will say I've definitely played enough beer pong since then to make up for it at like American house parties and stuff like that. Good man. Well, let me make you feel better. By the age of 28, I was expelled from my first school age three. <laughs> I was expelled from nine schools. I was sadly and unfortunately arrested. I had a pretty awful childhood as far as behavioral issues. I didn't go to university. I quit school at 16 <laughs> and I had a two-year-old child by the time I was your age. So I'm going to tell you, you're doing pretty damn good. And 
what's interesting about all of that, joking aside, is I have no regrets about any of it. And I think absolutely everything we do in our journeys, no matter how chaotic they are, everything is a learning curve. And you're fortunate to get where you have got in such a short period of time. And I look at myself as someone that's very fortunate to have got where I've got, but I don't believe I would be where I am today if each and every single one of those experience I, experiences I had just mentioned wouldn't have happened to me. So it's like sometimes our biggest mistakes in life are our biggest lessons learned today. And I, I don't know if that's your experience with life, but it's, it's certainly mine. No, for sure. You definitely make mistakes. And sometimes you need those like reality checks or you need to fall on your face to, you know, basically get up, dust yourself down, realize that you've realized what you've done so that you don't do it again. And you sort of like a wake up call, you know, you need those. Absolutely. So big question for me coming back and it's looking back, what was the most chaotic time or moment in your life that you were able to transform into a positive experience today? I think a few years ago, I, I learned a very important lesson, which is the media can definitely sort of put a spin on your words and to be like really careful of how your words come out. For example, I've never really spoken about this, but I was running up, I was, I was working out and my trainer was making me run up a flight of stairs. And during working out, part of my motivation while I was extremely exhausted, I, and, I'm, and the media took it as if I was like comparing my experience to a 9-11 firefighter the day the Twin Towers were attacked. And so that moment then when I tweeted about it and my, my goal was to actually just show respect and, and think about firefighters in a very respectful way came out the complete opposite of how I actually meant it. So I sort of put my foot in my mouth and I really, my intention was definitely not that. And so that moment of I've written something on the internet that was definitely not my intention. Looking back at it, of course, I never, that's not who I am. I love firefighters. I don't think anyone argues about how important and how incredible they are and how brave they are. And sort of just that moment of, you know, when you get a call from TMZ, when you get a call from people and saying, oh, why are you doing this? Or why are you bashing them or this or that? I think it was one of those moments. I'm not saying it was my hardest moment in my life, but it was just one of those moments where I thought to myself, oh, wow, like my words really do have an impact. So ever since then, I've really tried to be careful that anything I ever say is is uh, sort of, you know, just, just to make sure it's portrayed in, in the right way. And I think that that comes to sort of the area that we're in now in society, which is words do have an impact. And I think as a society, I became more educated from that experience. And I think the more educated we become and the more mistakes we make, the better individual you, you become, if that makes sense. Makes complete sense. I think, especially when you're in the public eye, you just have to be so careful with your choice of words, the way that you say things, the way that you're perceived, because it sounds to me like you were trying to make a perfectly nice comment and people were twisting it. And unfortunately, with the media, um, it's about ratings, as is the news in such a crazy time in the world today. And so we do, we have to be so careful today. It's crazy. For sure. And just, un, you know, just sort of understand exactly like you said, like the news have also an agenda, no matter which side of the fence or uh, political party that any human 
uh, wants to side on. You know, for example, last week I went to one of the protests, uh, Black Lives Matter protest, and I went there and I must say it was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever been to. Because when I went there, people were handing out food to each other. People were handing out water bottles to each other. There was like so much love amongst the people. And then I come home and I turn on the news and I think to myself, that experience that they are showing was the complete opposite of the experience that I just had two hours before. And, you know, and of course they're going to focus on sort of a protag, you know, they focus on the protagonist and antagonist and sometimes they create these figures so that they have a story. But I think it's interesting and that's why I think social media uh, is so powerful is because it's basic, basically the people's media. So, we, you know, you can go on Fox, you can go on CNN and both uh, may have an agenda, whereas the people's media is real. It's live. There's, you can't, it's, tough to, it's tough to sugarcoat that. And I think that's sort of what, why positive change is going to happen in our society, because now the power is not in the hands of the media because we have our own forms of media. Could not agree with you more. And thank you for saying that, because my wife and I, we won't even watch the news anymore. And maybe people think that's absolutely ridiculous. I don't really care. But I know if I turn on the news, I'm likely to have a shit evening because of the fear that they're putting in us. I would rather go on Instagram, go on Facebook and try and find things that are really happening with people I know, real experiences and learn through that. And you're right, the amount of greatness that came from these protests and these positive marches. You didn't see any of that on the news. You saw all the bad shit, all the things you don't want to see because unfortunately that's what generates ratings. But anyhow, moving on from that, um, because we could talk about this for for hours. Um, What I'm curious to know is what was your experience like working on such a notable Disney show and having fans grow up with you? Because first of all, my wife thinks you're drop dead gorgeous, but now my bloody children think you're drop dead gorgeous and they watch you on this Disney show. And I think that's absolutely incredible. And when I told my 10 and seven year old that I was doing this podcast with you today, you should have only seen the joy on their face. And I just, I'm curious what it was like working on a Disney show with such a great audience and, and really having these fans grow up with you along the way. If I could do it all again, I would have definitely changed my hairstyle. Because the fact that I had a shocking hairstyle and that show is worldwide and I don't know how many territories, I don't know how many countries, and that is what people see me on television every day. Like I just, I don't know, I listened to my mom, I had like this mullet with blonde sort of like highlight. (laughs) It was a a shocking choice. Um, And, you know, when I first arrived on the show, I had no idea how to do comedy. I had... No, I'd never done a multi, multi-cam before, which for those who don't know what a, a Americans say multi-cam, I say multi-cam. Um, uh, it's basically, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a sitcom, but it, you know, there's four cameras and the fourth wall is where the cameras are. And so it's a complete different skill set. It's not like a normal movie set or a single camera television show. The way they shoot it is very different. And so your body language and, and your body shape has to be Uh, altered while you're acting so it's a complete different skill set I'd never done it before so to be to be thrown in the deep end with at the time probably the biggest teenage star in the world uh, and still is one of the biggest stars in the world in Selena Gomez 
to and then and then to be working for such a big company such as Disney Channel, I mean the pressure was definitely on. But I must say that I had I came back the first day, and it was like one of those moments where I had to talk to myself and be like, Am I going to sink here? Or am I going to swim? Like I've got to figure it out. I'm going back to work at seven o'clock in the morning. I've got to I've got to be better in the space of ten hours and. The whole time I try to stay as calm as possible, as calm as you can stay when you know that the pressure's on and millions of people are going to watch this episode. And thankfully, the cast was so nice. The crew was so nice to me. Um, and I really sort of leaned on their experience. And they, in return, really helped me, made me feel part of their family. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a really humbling feeling to be able to go, well, you know, to different countries around the world. We, I've been to Brazil with David Henry, who is uh, the brother on the show and I've never experienced anything like it. We went there, people broke into our hotel. Um, they were chasing us down the streets. We then had to get police to come with us with guns. Like it was insane. I literally had one of those moments where it was scary. People are actually like banging on the cars. You, at times I feared for my life. And I know that it, it's like a, it was all out of passion and it's beautiful, but it made me seeing fans out of the back window of your car, 10, 20, 30, 40, jumping in taxis, following us where we're going, was the wildest experience I've ever experienced. And then I think to myself, the Beatles, I mean, it was literally one of those moments where you feel like the Beatles. And at that moment, I realized the power of the Disney Channel because it goes worldwide in different countries such as Brazil. It's very rare for them to see a celebrity. It's not like going to Rodeo Drive and you're gonna just see, you know, your celebrity every day walks down there they love celebrities they love actors they're so passionate in south america and it was just it, it it was awesome so there's been so many incredible unforgettable experiences from being part of the show and it gave me my platform to then continue my career and anybody who bashes disney channel of course everybody's entitled to their opinion and i know colleagues who have worked there and you know they may have reasons as to why they didn't enjoy the experience but for me they gave me my star. I still message Judy Taylor, who's the casting lady there, probably every couple of months and just say, hey, drove past your building. Thank you. Kiss, kiss. Because without Judy and without Gary Marsh, who found Miley and Selena and Demi, like all these incredibly, incredible talents, I wouldn't have a career in the US. And so there are moments when, yes, you do have to work hard, but there are also people that really help you along the way. And those people you never, ever forget. You never forget and you're grateful to them for the rest of your life and you understand that they gave you the stepping stone to grow and be where you are today. And that is really amazing to hear, dude, seriously. And I'm sure all of those fans loved your hairstyle, so don't worry. <laughs> I'm sure they're not thinking. How, how's the fans responding to the new hairstyle, the shaved head? Do they like it? Um, I, uh, unfortunately, I can't. That's not a positive either because uh, yesterday I did an Instagram poll and I said, hey, do I keep it? Do I buzz it? Or, or do, you know, was the buzz a good idea or should I have let it grow? And 80% said they definitely didn't like the buzz. So it looks like I'll be growing this. Uh, well, thank God you're 28 and not losing hair yet. You've got time to let it grow back. Let me tell you, at 35, it starts going. Let me tell you. Yeah, you've got a nice quaff over there. You've got it, you know, it's all shaped the quarantine's well. been great, by the way. I haven't cut my hair once. I've let my beard grow and my wife's finally telling me I look like a man. It's only taken 10 years and I'm taking all the compliments I can get. Um, 
But I'm not opening it up to a poll on Instagram. <laughs> I'm definitely not. So, Greggy, let me ask you another question. You've been on this incredible journey. Uh, you've done the Disney. You've done Marvel. You're still young. I guess I want to know, what do you hope to do more of? Uh, I definitely want to have as much creative input in my next project as possible. Um, I feel like, again, so grateful to have all to have had all these opportunities but I do feel like I'm ready now and experienced enough to I'm not saying I'm the, the smartest person in the room or any on or on any film set at all but I do think that my opinion can be valuable in that space and so I definitely want to produce I've, over the last year I've been acquiring um, intellectual properties such as books articles um, and things like that um, and I'm actually very far into the development process on one of them because I just, I've been on a Marvel show for three years and I'm at the point now where I really want to start and produce in my next project. And I really want this book to be my next vehicle into that producing world because I feel like once you become a producer on your own show, you, power's the wrong word, right? Because I don't want to seem like, oh, I'm like craving this power. But with... With a producing credit, people do listen to you a little bit more. And I feel like if I'm producing a uh, project, I, I also have a desire to direct. And so if you're starring and producing, you are quite instrumental to that project. And so you are able to call more of the shots or at least sort of present your uh, ideas and they'll definitely be listened to. So uh, I definitely feel like I'm at the stage now, 28 years old, definitely want to transition into not just acting, but producing, directing, um, and having as much ownership and creative input as possible. Absolutely. And once you're producing and directing, you're also holding on to control as well. And the more control you have, the more narrative you have to what you're passionate about. And then you're passionate about what you're making and you can actually make it a reality. So I, I, I get that 150% and good luck to you moving into that direction. I think that's incredible. What, what lessons would you say through your career? What would be the most important lessons that you've learned from working in Hollywood? I mean, it, it, you hear so many stories about working in Hollywood but if you would say there were two or three lessons that you've learned from working in Hollywood what would they be definitely there's a few definitely don't get too big-headed when you're doing well because this you are so hot and, uh, you are so hot and cold in this town so definitely don't act like a complete big shot when you're hot because trust me you'll be cold in six months time and then you're yeah, gonna man. be cold and then you're gonna have to get hot again so like no one you know just if you if you're winning so to speak do so with grace because it's not fun when you're not working uh second i would say that you definitely shouldn't take things personally and it took me a long time over the course of my career i would go into audition and be like oh uh i didn't get it oh you know de dealing with the constant rejection is not actually actually personal because it's kind of strange but actors are and this is now I've got my producer's hat on, but actors are it. sort of like commodities. And, it, and once you start realizing that an actor is a commodity and you're not just hired for your talent, but there's so many factors that go into it, right? Look, uh, do they have a fan base? What's their reach? Um, you know, are, how valuable are they to the project? Can they get this show sold or can they get this movie sold? 
so many factors come into it and 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 it the person who gets the role is not always the most talented and once you realize that i think you then take the pressure away from yourself because a lot of it is out of your control so i think one of my lessons which is now i'm 28 and i've been doing this since i was 12 is over the last year or two which is that 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 knowledge of oh if i'm actually this is a marathon not a sprint and if i want to actually get to that marathon i need to control this journey and destiny as much as possible so i definitely think don't take rejection personally because it's not personal uh definitely be thick-skinned because i know that's that's a hard it's harder to it's easy to say and harder to do but it's not it's it's not you you know just like keep doing the work keep being consistent and it will all fall into place and i think you have to remove ego because if the ego gets in the way of being in the entertainment industry, it's gonna get damaged along the way. I mean, I see so many friends of mine uh, and clients of mine, no matter how small, big you are, successful, not, you all have to audition. And I mean, personally speaking, I couldn't take the rejection, uh, but I see how it goes. It's like you go for these castings, you go for these castings, and it's gotta be for me, like the thrill of actually closing the deal, but oh my God, showing all these houses and waiting to get to the deal, it's a lot. So you, you're right, you have to be thick skinned and you have to be prepared. And I've, you know, as you know, been on a, on a reality show for six years, but I've done a couple of scripted shows and holy shit, they don't mess around on those sets, dude. I mean, they, you, you, you cannot afford to fuck up your lines because everyone's gonna make it very apparent and clear that you did just fuck up your lines. And that is not a position you wanna be in around 30 people behind the cameras, right? Yeah, no, not at all. You want it's a collaborative process. I feel like many industries and the most successful are probably the most respectful of other people's times. And part of that respect is to make sure you turn up, you know your lines, you you know, it's a well-oiled machine. I mean, you do a scene, you've got an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes to shoot that scene. Like we're on on TV schedules, they're so strict, and so you've got to stick to them. I mean, you know, you probably know because you you've been you've been doing it too, but it's like, you know, it's uh, they, time they is money. They want to so. get shit done. And if you run the yeah. staff overtime, no one's smiling. I've noticed that real quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, so sure. so you, you talk about sort of moving into this producer role, which, by the way, I love, completely understand. What would the mission behind having your own production company be? There must be like a message or a direction you would want to go in with that. What, what does that look like, if you don't mind sharing that? Definitely for the, I feel like, I know the YA space, the young adult space very well. Um, I feel like because of, uh, I've been on Wizards, uh, because I started on Wizards, I've seen my fan base kind of grow with me. And so I would say most people from, not most people, but I would say the majority of my followers or fans probably age from, you know, 14, I would say maybe 13 to late 20s. Um, and so I feel like I know that space very well. So it would be, I would love to be able to, put content out and produce content that actually makes a difference in people's lives. Like for example, before my Marvel show, I did a show called Faking It. And the only, which was uh, the whole message of that show was the acceptance of the LGBT community. And coming from London, I played, you know, I played sports. I don't have, uh, I, I didn't, I don't think I ever had a gay friend ever growing up. And so it wasn't, I just never really thought too much um, about how the LGBT community wasn't accepted. And then only when I did that show, 
I started realizing the importance of actually doing content that also sends a message because you can entertain people. And if you can entertain people and also send a positive message, then like, that's perfect. Like, wow, that's incredible. And so that show, we had the first ever uh, intersex character on TV, which has never been done since and had never been done before. So learning, and I had people come up to me in Arizona, I remember these two girls crying. And they're like, oh my God, thank you so much for doing the show. I, uh, I, we were best friends before the show and since then we're now in a relationship. And like, we just can't thank you enough for uh, promoting you know, the acceptance of the LGBT community. And I just remember feeling like, wow, that was so cool. I didn't just do a TV show. I did a show that actually benefited their lives. They're so thankful. So I think that when it comes to producing content, I want to do. I want to produce content that's fun, that's engaging, but also has a, an underlying message of, of trying to create, whether it's peace, whether it's acceptance in uh, in society, or highlighting an issue that maybe needs to be addressed in society, whether it's you know too much authority or a power struggle between you know the wealthy and the poor. Like, how, you, do you know what I mean? Like, just things that need to be addressed. I think you're doing it at the right time because there's a lot of things that need to be addressed. There's a lot of issues in the world right now. Uh, and I think it's time for people to stand up and actually address those issues. I, I, I'm realizing now, really through the whole Black Lives Matters protests, marches, etc., that, you know, and we're totally switching gears here. But as a white person, I don't really know what black people go through because I'm not black and I'm married to a woman who's not white. And over the years, she's always kind of steered me in the direction of you have no idea how privileged you are. And it's like, you're right. I don't know because I don't know any different. And I've never thought any differently uh, about any race, color or anything, really. And so watching everything happening right now with Black Lives Matters, in my opinion, it's absolutely time that this happened. It's time for change. It's time for people to speak out. It's time for people with a sphere of influence to speak out because we need to see change in this world across so many different things, uh, whether it's the LBGTQ uh, community, uh, Black Lives Matters. But this is a time for people like you and I and many others to speak up and, and use that platform for change as quickly as possible, in my opinion. So I, I love the direction you're going in with that, mate. For sure. You know, it's funny. My, my, uh, it's not funny. My, my, so one of my closest friends, I actually did my Marvel show with him. And I said to him, I've had many discussions because I don't like to put too much on the internet without sort of educating myself first, right? Because I feel yeah. like, oh, obviously, I think the white community on the whole has realized that we, we absolutely haven't been doing enough and we need to step up to make sure that there is a lot more equality in the world. But I talked to uh, my uh, very close friend, he's black, and we talk at length. He goes, to put it into perspective, he said, when you were being sat down by your mom at 13, 14, 15, and you know, to having the conversation of, hey, look, when you start sort of having sex, Make sure you wear protection. You don't want any pregnancies, you know, stuff like that. Just protect yourself. He said, my mom sat me on the bed and basically gave me a lecture about when the police approach you, make sure that you are the most respectful to them. Like, 
do like you are at a disadvantage. Understand that you are at a disadvantage simply based on the color of your skin. And so that that's insane for me to even think about because I never had to, right? My mom was talking to me about pregnancy and his mom was talking to him about potentially getting shot by a police officer. Just um, it's, you know, it's, it's two different worlds. And so, yeah, you're right. Like obviously being white, it's very tough to understand, but there was a sign that I kept seeing over and over at the protest um, that was basically saying, I understand that I will never understand, but I stand. And I think that that is so important for the white community. It's imp- how I'm not black. So how can I ever, I, I, I can never understand. I can't put, I can't put myself into their shoes, but we can absolutely have empathy and, and, and just support as much as possible so that it doesn't happen because I've seen the videos. I think everybody has seen the videos, not just once. I think this has been happening over decades. Yeah, and I do, I look, I also know some police officers and I also have a lot of respect for the police force on the whole. I do think there are definitely some bad, uh, terrible cops, but I, uh, you know, I, I've, I do think, I, in fact, I know, and I've seen it that black people do get treated differently by, uh, by the police. I've, that, I mean, that so, needs so, to change bottom line. And again, I mean, I believe we're going to see change. We have to see change. We need to see change. And I hope that this really is going to be that moment where change begins because it, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Bottom yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah. And line. it's not, it's nice to see the athletes, even, even the English premier league or the players, you know, I think what we're realizing now is we're not just going to talk about it for a day or two days yep. or three days. I think this has now been going on for weeks and rightly so. And it should go on until it, it changes. I know it can't Absolutely. happen overnight, but it's so important. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very important. And how, Couldn't what a beautiful world. Well, imagine everybody just being peaceful and loving one another. It's like, oh, sounds God. like heaven. Be absolutely fantastic. So fingers crossed and we're, we're going to all do what we can to, to drive things that way. Let's shift gears because, again, I know your time is valuable and I know you've got things to do. Um, I've been following you, like I said, quite religiously on Instagram and, I, and I'm watching all of the, the fitness stuff that you're doing and you're a fitness buff. I went this morning, by the way, finally nice. got some definition. My I arms see. have been vibrating all day, but there you go. <laughs> um, but I've been seeing this hashtag that you're using, get up, get out, get healthy. Uh, although now I'm seeing that it's changed, get up, get home, get healthy. What is that all about? Explain it to me because I love the direction you're going in with it, but I, I want to understand it. So a few years ago, I mean, I've had social media for a while and I felt like I was going down the path of using social media for sim- you know, just simply vanity reasons. You know, I would check my comments. I would, it would like feed my ego. I would look at how many likes I got. And one day I was in, years ago, I was in Alabama. I was shooting a movie two years ago. And I was going for a run and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to share the fact that I'm going on a run and maybe it, will, maybe it will inspire somebody today. Like maybe taking, making social media less about me, using my platform, but making it not about me, actually about other people, it would be better. It would feel better. And it absolutely did. And so when I was running, I was doing like a selfie video and I was like, you know, today I, I got up, I got out and I got healthy. And I was like, wow, it's kind of catchy. And so ever since then, I've, I've always, 
I've always said it, which is get up, get out, get healthy. And even different countries I go to and people take uh, take a photo they're like, oh my God, by the way, I've been getting up, getting out, getting healthy. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like people, it's, it's actually catching on. Even my friends, they'll send me photos at seven in the morning, eight in the morning and be like, I got up, got up, you know, get up, get out, get healthy. Love that. It, 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 and it's been really, really cool. And so I'm actually doing a fitness plan. Uh, I'm shooting it in two weeks because I feel that, yes, being an actor is incredible, but if I can inspire people and I get tons of messages a day and I look at all of them and it's some people are saying that they were really depressed and they started working out and they've never been happier. Some people are saying that they've lost 40 pounds um, and they've never felt so good. And my whole messaging behind it is it's not really about how you look. It's all about how you feel. So I love it. You know, get up, get out, get healthy. That doesn't mean become the most ripped, shredded person out there. That isn't, it, again, it's not for vanity reasons. It is whether it's to go for a bike ride, whether it's to go for a walk, whether it's just simply promoting being active, being healthy and, and feeling good about yourself. That's sort of been my main focus. And it has been so rewarding because I really, and I feel now a responsibility to make sure that it keeps me in check too, because I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I've got to practice what I preach. So, yeah, yeah. so it keeps so you accountable. Great. It keeps you accountable yeah. too, which I think is important. And especially, by the way, by the through through the quarantine, I've been more consistent with my working out than I've ever been before, and I've never felt better in my life. And I truly believe you're working out. You're strengthening your immune system, and you know, obviously, working out makes you, as it does me a happier person but what's your mindset when it comes to happiness what have you learned truly today makes you happy definitely not money definitely not money i think what makes me happy is feeling see it's not the money it's definitely not the money it's it's the it's the putting yourself to a task and achieving it that that feeling once you've once you've set a goal and achieved it, that to me makes me happy. I love I personally love being productive. Um, I love challenging myself, and then also balance makes me happy too. You know, which my girlfriend thankfully has really uh, encouraged me to find, which is balance because I think I was very focused on work and being very productive. So it's a balance between definitely being productive, but also enjoying life, enjoying things. Like sometimes she'll make me stop on the street and just go and smell the flowers. And I know that sounds like crazy, but it's so true. Like we live on this earth for a very limited amount of time. We, along the way, we collect a bunch of things and own a bunch of possessions. And then either we hand them down or they just disappear, right? Or we give them away. Like that's, that's sort of what, what we do as humans. And so I never really stop, literally like stop and sort of like smell the coffee. I just, I, ne I, never, I never did it in my life. And it's the simple things of, you know, a couple of buddies of mine have been chasing sunsets recently. I'm like, we're chasing sunsets? What's that? They're like, oh, we just drive towards the sunset and then it goes and then we, and then we drive back. I'm like, wow, it sounds so simple. And if you think about it, the sun, and this is why I love Southern California so much and I feel very lucky to live in Southern California, is no matter how much money you have in this world, you can step outside your door and receive probably the biggest gift that any human being can get, which is daylight, sunlight, for free. You don't have to pay for it. And 
I feel like this some of the most sim- simplicity also makes me happy. Couldn't agree with you more. It's not the money. The funniest thing is people think money makes them happy. And what they don't realize is they have to be happy within. Uh, otherwise, they're always going to be miserable, unfortunately. And it's it's... Like, if you don't take care of yourself within, you're not going to enjoy any success in your life. And I could not agree with you more. It's really not the money. For for me, at least, it's all about the, the drive and the thrill behind doing the deal. It's actually not the money. Don't get me wrong. I need the money to fund my life and take care of my family. But it's everything that happens before that to get me to that point that is actually the thrill for me that gets me up out of bed every morning. It's the family that do that. But if you don't take care of yourself first, you can't take care of anybody else, no matter how much money you have. So I I love that. And you do, you emit a very positive energy, which I love. And I know that comes through on all of your social media accounts. Is that the intention? Is that the intention to have that positivity come out? What would you want those listeners at home to know about cultivating that energy? Like, how do you get that? Are you trying to give it back to people? What's what's that message there, Greg? I definitely would like to share it because I do think it's contagious. I've got some of my friends are the most energetic, charismatic, incredible people. And I love them. Like they are, they're just incredible souls. And I do think that, especially right now, we've got a responsibility if you have a if you have a platform on social media you know let's let's outweigh the negative side with the positive side and i think you actually get way more done by being positive you know it's funny i was uh i i just started back on 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 youtube and my uh person who i do it with loving to death my 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 friend we were we had like a collab like a big collab to do and they cancelled 30 minutes before and he's like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, dude, okay, they canceled. We now pivot. It's quite simple. It's like we can talk about how, okay, yeah, it's not great to cancel 30 minutes before on someone, probably not the right thing to do, but it is what it is. Like, let's pivot. Let's figure out what we're going to do. And we figured it out. We were stayed calm and we probably got the best video and the best other collab out of it. So it's it's sort of just, yeah, things, curveballs come. It's just to try to keep a positive outlook so you can just do better and find different ways to improve. I love that because you are the glass is half full versus the glass is half empty. And I think that's really how we have to be, certainly in times like today. But you could have taken that let down and been really pissed off and really let down and lost your energy. And that could obviously trickle into other things instead of looking at, right, what do we do now? How do we turn the negative into the positive? And that's why I love the title positively chaotic because it's like we all have this mad chaotic past our lives but it's how we've taken the road from here to turn all of that chaos in our lives into positives and i think i think you just talked about that let me ask you and and just one thing it's like if you look at all if you look at all like kobe bryant for example like i watch so many kobe bryant documentaries michael jordan the same thing it's like it's a lot of it is in your mind you know the mind can achieve great things if you just let it The power of the mind is crazy uh, and you are absolutely right. And I got to tell you, if you haven't read it, Greg, Think and Grow Rich. What a great book. I've read it. I've read it. The the best. Such a powerful book. And, And Greg, we've talked about some of your career goals, but I'm interested in your personal life goals. Where do you hope you are in, let's say, five years from now? Is it a wife? Is it children? Where's Greg Sulkin five years from now? 
Um, I, you know, it's funny. I always wanted to be a young dad. I always, to be honest, I thought when I first moved to LA, I wanted to be a dad by the time I was 25. Absolutely no questions. It was going to happen. Then thankfully my career sort of took off. I was working in Canada and working in different countries around the world and sooner that, you know, basically then I was 25 by the time that that started happening. Now I'm 28 and it is, it's again, it's a balance, right? I feel I really would like to give my, definitely want children, but I really want to give my kids, um, I really want to be able to enjoy my life with the kid in, in a specific way. And I know that that will, I'm very confident that that will come. I just want to just make sure, I've always saw my 20s as like building blocks. I always saw that. And I just wanted the foundation there so that then in the 30s and 40, in my 30s, 40s and 50s, I, I could really, I could try and have a, a, a stress-free of a life as possible. And uh, so I've, I've got a couple, I've got two more years to, to do those building blocks. But I, I mean, look, I, I mean, my brother's married. My parents have been married for 35 years. Like, I think it's a, I think it's beautiful. I think there's something incredible about a, a stable home. I think marriage is beautiful, but yeah, I mean, look, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but would I be surprised by the time I'm 33, 34? Uh, the likelihood is I will probably be married by then. I love it. I love it. I'm but sure you your know. girlfriend's going to listen to this and think, oh, shit, I'm not waiting seven years. <laughs> Hopefully I not. Like, I feel like Michelle is, Michelle's, she's 22. And, and not to uh, sort of uh, diminish that age as if she's not sort of capable, but I think it's really important, and I've said this to her, that I want to make sure that the mother of my children is completely for themselves before they have sort of children. I get that, 100%. And I think, you know, Michelle is definitely, you know, she's 22 years old. I, I don't want to take that away from her because the last few years I've grown so much. So I definitely want to make sure that she experiences that too. I don't want to be the one to be like, all right, you know, have, have my child, please. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. work like that. I, I'll <laughs> no. tell you what, though. I was 25 and Valeria, my wife, was 22 when we had our baby. And wow. let me tell you one thing. Back then, I, I, I kid you not, I don't have that long to tell you the whole story, um, but I couldn't look after myself back then. I mean, I was incapable of looking after myself. My life really has changed, but- Did it, when, did it, did it, did it make you- Greg, when I tell you, Sophia, who's now 10, when that girl was born, my life was changed overnight in that instant. And I couldn't look after myself. I'd never even held a baby before. And the moment Sophia was born and she was in my arms, it was like I had been holding babies for the last 25 years. Something wow. just comes. And let me tell you, it's a life-changing experience. And I am so thankful to God, my wife, to everything that that happened when it did, because I was heading in a really dangerous path in my life. And I believe that it was my mother, of course, but my wife and daughter at the time that really helped me change everything. And it gives you a whole different purpose that you're on this amazing journey right now and you're so focused and I love it. But when that child is born, 
you're on a whole different level of journey, man. So I'm very excited for you. I'm, uh, I'm calling Michelle right after this phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, come home. It's 6 p.m. <laughs> Let's go. So let, let me ask you this. Another super important question, and that's what comes to mind as the moment where everything in life changed for you? You know, this all happened at a young age, but, but what comes to mind as the moment where everything in life changed for you? Maybe it hasn't come yet. Maybe it has, but I, I'm always curious to hear from people in that regard. I think there's two moments uh, for me. One was when I first auditioned for Wizards when I was 17. My parents had to go back to London and I stayed in the US, but like by myself. Um, and I didn't have a car and I just sort of like, and I didn't even have an audition book. They told me that an audition was coming. So to, I took that sort of leap of faith to stay in a country, a huge country, and uh, and sort of wait for this opportunity without a guaranteed date or confirmation. And that leap of faith definitely changed my life. And then the second moment that changed my life was when I bought my first house um, and I stepped inside of it. And I remember sort of like signing the papers and stuff like that. And it was like mine and I got the keys and I was like so excited. But then I had the moment of like, wow, like I need to, the hard work has just started. Um, and so, you know, obviously it's incredible. I, I mortgaged the house, you know, I put a down payment on, but people always say to me, oh, you own the house. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, no, the bank owns the house. Like I own the house, but one, one day I will own the house, you know? And so it, it, it was the start of that journey for me, which was, oh, the hard work. This, yes, it's been hard work, but the, the, you know, we just always got to keep, keep growing, keep building. Um, and obviously the, th the third time will probably be when, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting married and, and having a kid. Which I'm Come so on. I yeah. love it. I love it. I love it. And you're absolutely right. And by the way, owning a house just... Uh, to, to you to, to say well done. I think that is just the first step to building generational wealth for your, your life. I mean, to get on the property ladder is such a hard thing to do. And so to be able to do it at such a young age and actually to have the mindset that you don't own at the bank does, which keeps you humble, not cocky, I think is also very smart. And it keeps you focused to continue working hard so that you can pay off that house, own more and more and more of it and continue to build, which I know you're doing and you're doing very well indeed because I'm watching you from afar and it's, it's incredibly incredibly commendable yeah um, no thank you i finally have to just sorry just real quick but with the the real estate strategy obviously everybody has different strategies but i think for me what my goal would be and and is ideally in an ideal world is to never have to sell a property so that when i do hopefully go upstairs and not downstairs um i'm able to give my future kids uh, the opportunity and I, I want them to be able to choose whatever they want to do in life um, rather than be forced into a job that they potentially don't like. And obviously rent is extremely expensive, whether you own or, or whether you're paying a mortgage or whether you're renting, it's just, it, it's just a huge cost. And so if I can take that cost away from my children, I will absolutely love for that to happen. Not in a sense of like, I don't want them to become entitled kids and I want them to understand that that's not yeah. normal. Um, but I just, it will allow them to hopefully go and do whatever they want in, in their life without having to worry about a house payment. So it's sort of like, I, I will be trying to buy properties so that throughout their life, they have different stages of where they could potentially 
move to. So that's sort of my real estate strategy. It's a bloody good strategy. And my God, if I had this strategy at 28, I wonder where I'd be today. It is uh, amazing to see your strategy. Trust me, as someone that's in the real estate industry is a really good one. And I would stay focused with that strategy because it will pay off very, very well. But what I am curious to know is the obstacles in your life. What have been the toughest obstacles to navigate either in your career or personal life? And, and what did you learn from those obstacles? Um, two things come to mind. One is being uh, alone. When I then my mom left when I was uh, 18, when I first moved to the States, didn't have many friends at all. I could have easily gone down a path of, I mean, there's a big party scene in LA. There's a quite dark side to LA that no one really talks about. There's a lot of dreams here, but not all those dreams become true. And so there's quickly a sort of like darker path that you can take here. And I owe that to David Henry, who I did Wizards with, because he's such a good influence on me and has always sort of had, took me, taken me under his wing. Um, so to, to, to be alone in a huge country like the US, that was obviously scary. Um, I think dating in LA is, especially as an actor, and then especially as an actor that was gaining some success, that was sort of hard because I never knew why people wanted was so eager to 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 go on a day on a date you never know somebody's in, intentions um and not in a not in a like oh everybody's so eager but just more of like oh sure like you, you know it's like you just you never know you hear stories and so this was it sort of sums up i think why michelle and i are still together but when i first dated michelle basically i had i met i went to a party uh, not a party i went to an event Maserati was sponsoring the event. Before that uh, night, I had a Grand Jeep Cherokee, which I thought was a great car, you know, very reliable, fantastic. I like SUVs, it was awesome. So I met the guy from Maserati who actually happened to watch one of the shows and said, we will give you a Maserati. And I was like, is this, is this a joke? Like, what do you mean, give me a Maserati? I'm 25 years old. And he was like, we'll give you one, like, to, well, you can drive it and just borrow it. And I was like, okay, so Maserati, let me have a car for a year it was like absolutely ridiculous but with that came a lot of looks right like a lot of people are like looking like this young kid like he's driving a maserati beautiful maserati too and i remember when i met robert pattinson when he had just finished twilight he uh had a car he pulled up to the house i was at in like the like a, a 20 year old car that it was on its last legs and I was like thinking, oh, that's inc that's so cool. Like he doesn't want to be noticed. He's driving sort of like a beat up car. Love that. Doesn't need to show off. Amazing. So here I am in a, in a Maserati that I don't own, pulling up to my now girlfriend's house for the first time. There was nowhere to park. And I was just sort of waiting for her. So there was like a disabled spot outside of her building. So there was nowhere for me to park. So I pulled in into a disabled spot, although I was there for like one minute. The first impression of like, what a douchebag. This douchebag is in a Maserati in a disabled spot. Like this is the worst first impression. And so I remember getting out of the car being like, before I introduce myself, I just want you to know this. I never do this and I don't own the Maserati. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, man. I love that. Good for you because you, know, you woke up and smelt the fresh air and it's not all about what people see. It's what's within, right? You know, figuring out LA, figuring out and being, being real. That's been, that's been an obstacle, right? Of just like letting the guard down and then just embracing that and if someone wants to take you uh 
for who you are, then great. And if not, then maybe they're not the perfect person for you. All I'm going to tell you is in the last hour, I have learned that Michelle is a lovely girl and probably the one. <laughs> she sounds wonderful, she's, by the way. She's amazing. She's amazing. She's, she's, she does. That girl she sounds is, great. That girl's, the, that girl's the, the sweetest human on the planet. And actually last night, she, uh, I'm Jewish. And so she, uh, she got a, a little bit of Hebrew on her wrist. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. This is This incredible. is called a win-win right here. But it is hard to meet good people, I suppose, anywhere in the world. But in LA, I know it's so, so tough, both if you're a guy trying to meet a girl, vice versa. It's the entertainment capital of the world. And I find that in LA, everyone's like, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? And so to find a real quality person and that was how I felt when I met my wife Valeria it's like you just don't want to lose them you want to hang on to them you want to keep them you want to cherish them and 10 years later of marriage by the way Greg I'm the happiest I've ever been so keep Michelle she she sounds like a good one mate she definitely does yeah so the time has come to wrap things up Um, at the end of every episode we close things out with a little segment called chaotic questions with James are you ready I'm so ready I love it. Okay, here we go, Greg. What room in your house do you spend the most time in? The office. <laughs> what are you currently learning? Uh, like clothing, like, like, uh, like clothing lines. Perfect. What's your favorite place to hide? Probably, probably my garage. <laughs> what motivates you? Building a legacy. What chore do you hate doing? The dish, uh, 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 unloading the dishwasher. That's the worst. I don't mind loading, unloading's the worst. Amen to that. And finally, Greg, what piece of advice would you have given to your younger self? Although you're going to be working hard, just make sure to stop and enjoy simple moments in life, such as like spending time with your friends, sitting on the grass, just like simple things really appreciating life and and not worrying too much about sort of like the hustle and bustle um of it all i definitely think yeah just just taking a moment oh actually probably biggest i would say to meditate meditation is good i've tried it i'm useless at it but i know it is meant to be the best thing that someone like me could actually do so to meditate i love that greg We're going to wrap it up, man. I really cannot thank you enough for being a guest on the podcast. Where should people follow and see more of the wonderful year? Uh, They can go to my Instagram, which is Greg Solkin, G-R-E-G-G-S-U-L-K-I-N. The same as my Twitter, uh, same as my Facebook. And then on YouTube, just start, well, not just started, but uh, back on YouTube, Greg and Cameron is the YouTube channel name. But yeah, just, just, uh, yeah, thanks for following me and, and supporting me. Thank you so much, Greg. Follow me on Instagram at JamesBondST. Catch Million Dollar Listing on Bravo Tuesdays at 9, 8 central. To everybody watching, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. If you're listening, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and listen anywhere you get your podcasts. Tell your friends, your neighbors, and anyone who would enjoy the Positively Chaotic podcast to tune in. Thanks for listening. Greg, you are the man, dude. I loved that so much. I really cannot thank you enough. Of course, James. Appreciate you. Appreciate you.